So I think the more women leaders we put at the level of leadership positions, the more truthful and honest actions towards uh, protecting the environment. for us to see women in leadership positions and in decision-making, we also need to recognize that we need to level the playing field. We need to ensure that women have access to education, to training, to funding, to technology. Welcome back to the UN Capital Development Fund's podcast, on women and girls on the climate change frontline. I'm your host, Sarah Harris, and today we're picking up where we left off last time. Do you remember? That's right, I was saying goodbye to Fatu SM Sise, market gardener and entrepreneur from The Gambia. And I think it's worth kicking off today's episode with a little recap of that episode with Fatu, because one thing she said is going to shape this whole next episode, and it's this. So I think once women are leaders, or women assume leadership positions, um, there's gonna be a huge difference yes, when it comes to climate change. That's right, this episode is all about women as climate leaders. What changes when women are leaders or in leadership positions? When women are leading the battle on climate change from the front ranks, what difference does it make? To you, to me, to anyone? For this episode, I spoke first with Patu Ndago Fen from her home in Cameroon. While the birds tweeted outside her open window, Patu got straight to the point. Well, I think women have been proven to have a key role to play when it comes to climate action and resolving challenges, not just environmental challenges, but different other challenges. And that applies as well to environmental issues. So if women are given the opportunity to assume leadership roles, responsibilities, I believe that is when we would begin to see solutions to most of these challenges that we are currently facing. More women leaders mean more climate solutions, says Patu, and there's plenty of evidence out there to back Patu up. Whether we're talking about women leading in communities or in the private sector or the political sphere. Research by CGIAR, a global partnership engaged in research on food security, found that when women farmers in low- and middle-income countries have decision-making and leadership roles, they have a positive impact on managing natural resources sustainably and adapting to the impacts of climate change. Bloomberg and the Sasakawa Peace Foundation found that, in the private sector, companies with a larger share of women on their boards are more likely to improve energy efficiency, invest in renewables, and reduce their company's environmental impacts. And it's a similar story in politics too. According to the European Investment Bank, research from around the globe shows that countries with a bigger share of women in Parliament are more likely to sign off on treaties and legislation 
that tackles climate change and its impacts. Here's Patu again. So I think the more women leaders we put at the level of leadership positions, the more truthful and honest actions towards protecting the environment. The more women take leadership positions, no matter what the field, no matter what the level, the more likely we are to see action on addressing the root causes and consequences of climate change. But are women leading? Well, of course they are. Just look at who some of the best-known climate campaigners are today. There's Greta Thunberg, the young female campaigner, whose Friday school strikes have grown into the Fridays for Future campaign, an international youth movement calling for action on climate change. She's inspired more young women campaigners to act all over the world, like Vanessa Nakate from Uganda, or Elizabeth Watuti from Kenya, all working hard to change hearts and minds on the need for urgent climate action, and all of whom, incidentally, were referenced by our interviewees in this podcast. While these young women are certainly impactful campaigners, the fact remains they're not the ones in charge. In politics, in business, and frankly, in most of the world's households and communities, women are not the boss. In the United States of America, in this current 118th Congress, less than a third of members are women, and that's an all-time high. Or in my own country, the UK, where there are 225 female MPs in the House of Commons. It sounds like a lot, but it's only 35% of the total, and again, a record high. In business, things are moving even more slowly. Only 4% of CEOs in the UK's largest companies are women, according to the 2022 Women Count report. And when presidents and world leaders line up for those ceremonial photographs, how many women do you see? According to the Pew Research Centre, more than two-thirds of all UN member states have never had a woman leader. Ever. UN women calculate that at the current rate of change, it will take another 130 years before there will be gender equality in the highest positions of power. But that doesn't mean the situation is hopeless. Far from it. Back to Patu, who I think sums it up quite nicely. I think there are a lot of solutions that women are championing already and which just need to be brought to the spotlight. They need to be brought to the spotlight so that they can scale up. One woman who's been working for many years on women's empowerment and gender equality and now works as part of the UN Development Programme's Climate Promise team is Verania Chow. We caught up with her on the sidelines of a youth-led climate conference she was attending, part of her busy schedule of events. I'll let Verania explain more about her work. We have been supporting countries through an initiative that is called the Climate Promise to design and update and more recently implement their nationally determined contributions, their NDCs. These are the national plans on climate change or the 
country commitments on climate change. And the nationally determined contributions are at the same time the backbone of the Paris Agreement. So basically, these are the commitments, the plans that countries have indicated, have set on mitigation and adaptation to reach the goal of the Paris Agreement. And These nationally determined contributions are super important, and you'll hear more about them as we move through this series. But as Verania says, they're the backbone of the Paris Agreement, that oh-so-important document thrashed out in 2015 when that year's Conference of the Parties, or COP, was hosted in the French capital. If we want to move away from promises to action on climate, then the Paris Agreement is the international treaty that can get us there. And the roadmap for action is spelled out in countries' nationally determined contributions, the actions that each country commits to take to address climate change. Suffice to say, supporting countries in preparing their NDCs and inserting actions that empower women and boost gender equality is a good way of enabling more women to tackle climate change, including as leaders. Verania again. But it's, uh, it's clear that if we don't recognize and we don't specifically develop targeted responses and actions towards women and women leadership, they may not necessarily be able to be part of this transition and to contribute in a more meaningful manner. So if we want to see more women climate leaders, whether in communities, as policymakers, in business or as politicians, we need to level the playing field and remove barriers. How can we make that happen? Well, the answer lies with today's guests. It was top of Verania's list and central to Patu's personal journey to becoming a climate leader in her home country of Cameroon. And that's access to education. If women are not given that opportunity in the first place to go to school, to further their studies, and to acquire more knowledge and skills, that would help them to be better solution providers, then that's a very big barrier. And uh, that's also a very big limitation to the fight against climate change. It seems then, a first step to taking a leading role on climate action is education. Whether that be formal education and schooling, mentoring and skills development, or by raising awareness and understanding of climate change and its impacts. Education is key. Next time on the UN Capital Development Fund's podcast, Women and Girls on the Climate Change Frontline, we'll be taking a close look at education. Is it the magic key to unlocking women's power? Stay tuned to find out. If you want to join the discussion or suggest people for us to speak with, email capital.musings at uncdf.org. I'm Sarah Harris. Thank you for listening.